I'm Andrew Smith. This is Today in Church History, a place where we're reminded that history is truly his story. History is the story of God and the demonstration of his glory in the theater of world events. Today is Friday, September 13th, 2019. But on this day in history, September 13, 1541, John Calvin came out of his exile. He left Strasbourg and he went back to Geneva, a place that he had said earlier he would rather not go to. But he only returned because he felt it was the duty of God. He was quoted as saying that he would rather die a hundred deaths than go back to Geneva where he was crucified thousands of times. Indeed, that was true. On Easter Sunday, April 23, 1538, John Calvin, along with William Farrell, was kicked out of the town of Geneva by the town council. Now, in an earlier episode, I have chronicled this event in some detail. But on this episode, I'd like to provide for you a timeline of events that led, in God's providence, John Calvin back to a city, back to a place, back to a people who had rejected him. Why in the world would John Calvin return? Well, as I said, it was part of his duty to God. Calvin was very sensitive to the moving of the Spirit. And we can conclude that Calvin simply would not have returned if he did not feel it was the Lord's will. Now, going back to Easter Sunday, April 23, 1538, when Calvin was exiled from Geneva, we need to understand that Calvin was in Geneva during his first stint as pastor for less than three years. He left there and he went to Strasbourg, located in southwest Germany, where he sat under the tutelage of Martin Bucer. Martin Bucer was the great Protestant reformer in that area. He found a little church to pastor, which wasn't a tiny church, but it was smaller than the church in Geneva. And there, John Calvin, for three years, pastored a church of French refugees. Now, we see a lot of growth in the life of Calvin. When he first entered Geneva as a young man at the age of 26, he was wet behind the ears. He was green, as it were. But during this time in his exile, during this time in Strasbourg, Calvin began to learn what it meant to be a pastor. On the one hand, Calvin edited his Institutes of the Christian Religion in 1541, translating it into a French edition. Because Calvin, and I think this reveals his pastoral heart, truly desired for the people that he was ministering to to understand the theology that he was teaching. The Institutes originally were written by Calvin at the young age of 26 uh, in the year 1536, and they were essentially a catechism. Calvin basically exposited the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed. It was basically a catechism to teach young people the Word of God. Calvin then expanded the Institutes. He had it translated from Latin into French so the common people could understand it. It was also during his time in Strasbourg that he met a woman by the name of Idolette. She was a widow, her former husband being an Anabaptist. Calvin married this woman, and I think it speaks a lot to his maturity because this woman brought two children of her own into this marriage. Calvin agreed to rear these children. With all the pressures of ministry, with all the pressures of being a reformer, he reared children that were not his own. It was also during this time, in his marriage with Idolette, that they had a son. But sadly, this son died two weeks after his birth, so Calvin never produced an heir. What is most interesting is that Calvin was exiled from Geneva in 1538. But as early as 1539, as he is faithfully preaching and teaching the Word of God in Strasbourg, as he is 
preaching expositionally each Lord's Day, as he is catechizing the youth, as he began to build his home and build his family, a correspondence began that was initiated by the town council in Geneva. They requested, of all things, the help of John Calvin. What was occurring is that shortly after John Calvin left and William Farrell, the Protestant reformers, a man by the name of Jacopo Satteletto, now he wasn't just a man, he was a cardinal in the Roman Catholic Church and he resided in Rome itself. He drafted a letter to the town council of Geneva appealing to the citizens of Geneva to return to Roman Catholicism. The town council did not want to return to Roman Catholicism. They had broken away. They had received their political independence, their religious independence, but they didn't have anywhere to turn. So they turned to the one man that they had kicked out of their town, John Calvin. Now, Calvin received this correspondence from the Genevan town council, and he very graciously began to counsel them and to speak with them on how to handle this matter. But finally, Calvin took things into his own hands. He wrote a letter to Cardinal Satteletto. Now, this letter is one of the greatest uh, pieces of correspondence in the entire literature of the Reformation. This is considered to be true by virtually every historian. Those that love Calvin, those that hate Calvin, they all affirm that really out of all of the literature that we have extant uh, that was produced during the Reformation, including commentaries, including books, um, all of it, this letter that Calvin wrote to Cardinal Satteletto is considered to be one of the most important documents. Because within this letter to Cardinal Satteletto, Calvin basically tells him that he has no business trying to turn the hearts of the people in Geneva back to Roman Catholicism. The letter that Cardinal Satteletto wrote to the Genevans was dated March 18th, 1539. Satteletto was a counter-reformer, a very important cardinal in the church. But Calvin's letter back to him is considered, as I said, to be one of the most important documents in the entire Protestant Reformation. It's one of Calvin's most masterful writings because it reveals so much about him as a man. It reveals his love for the people in Geneva in spite of their ill treatment of him. It shows his gracious attitude, his willingness to work with the town council, even though they had really given him a bad deal. The letter also reveals his commitment to Scripture. It reveals his commitment to the Lord. It shows forth his commitment to justification by faith, sola fide, his concern for the salvation of the Genevans. It also addresses the authority of the church and basically says that submission to the authority of Scripture is more important than authority to the church. So Calvin not only affirms sola fide, but he also has a robust affirmation of sola scriptura. Now, in Satteletto's letter to the Genevans, he appeals to a scene that he says takes place on the Day of Judgment, a scene which includes two people, a Roman Catholic and a former Roman Catholic. Satteletto asks the question to the Genevans, now who do you think that God is going to judge on Judgment Day? Is he going to judge the Roman Catholic or is he going to judge the former Roman Catholic? And as you can guess, his conclusion is, Satteletto's that is, that God is going to judge the former Roman Catholic. Even though that former Roman Catholic was baptized into the church, even though that former Roman Catholic said his sins to the priest and confessed his sins, even though that former Roman Catholic was part of the Roman Catholic Church, because he or she broke away from the Roman Catholic Church, as these Geneva citizens did, and as they swore an oath that they were now followers of Protestant teaching, Satteletto says their salvation was in severe jeopardy. 
Sadoleto also accused the reformers of being greedy and ambitious. So in Calvin's letter back to Sadoleto, he addresses both of these things. He flatly refuses that he was motivated by greed or ambition. He says that if he was motivated by greed or ambition or money, then he would have stayed in the Roman Catholic Church. He would have immersed himself in the scholarly world of the Roman Catholic Church and rose in the ranks of it. But instead, he basically took a vow of poverty by becoming Protestant. He lived his life on the run. He literally had to run. He was hated. He was despised, not only by the Roman Catholic Church, but even by Protestants in Geneva that didn't want to submit to his pastoral authority. Now, the beauty of this story is that the town council sent a letter to Calvin and said, we need you to come back as our pastor. As I said earlier, Calvin said he would rather die a hundred deaths than go back to Geneva. But Calvin did return on September 13, 1541. He came into the town of Geneva in a parade-like processional with people cheering him, glad that he had returned. The interesting thing is that the Genevans still took a long time to accept him. It wasn't until the year 1559 that he was accepted as a citizen of Geneva. Calvin's second stint as pastor lasted for 23 years. He died on May 27, 1564. So just think about that for a moment. Just a few years before he died, he was finally accepted as a citizen in Geneva. This was true even after he had been kicked out, even after he had agreed to come back and to minister to these people. And my favorite part of the story is that the first Sunday that Calvin was back in the pulpit, he ascended the pulpit stairs and he picked up in the exact passage the very next verse from the verse he had left off years before, before being exiled, Calvin picked up in the Word of God his sequential exposition of Scripture, and he continued his sermon series through that particular book of the Bible. I think this is a testimony to Calvin's commitment to Scripture. I think it's a testimony to his trust in the power of the Word of God, his confidence in the regular, ordinary preaching of the Word of God. I think the fact that he returned to Geneva shows his growth, his maturity as a Christian, as a minister of the Word of God. I think it reveals his perseverance both in ministry and in life. Shortly after returning to Geneva, his wife died. His wife of only nine years passed away, and he was left with these two children that were really not his own, and he raised them faithfully. We see a man who worked with church leaders who were not easy to work with. We see a man who, who treated secondary matters as just that, secondary matters, not making everything a primary issue. We see a man who by every single account was faithful to the Lord. He was faithful to his calling. He was a man who was committed to God's ways, a man who was committed to God's word. He was willing to be persecuted. He was willing to be hated. He was willing to be rejected and despised and even be exiled for the cause of Christ and for the cause of the gospel. There's so much for Christians and ministers in particular to learn from the life of John Calvin. This is Today in Church History, a place we're reminded that history is truly his story.
History is the story of God and the demonstration of His glory in the theater of world events. And I truly hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Today in Church History. If you would like to hear more about John Calvin, you can go to ironsharpensironradio.com. That's ironsharpensironradio.com. Go to the archive section, search for September 9th, 2019, and there you can listen to a two-hour interview where Chris Arnzen interviews me on this very date in church history, September 13th, 1541, the very date that John Calvin returned out of his exile back to Geneva. I would encourage you to listen to that episode and also listen to the rest of Chris's episodes. He does a wonderful job. He's faithful on this radio program, and he has a lot of interesting interviews that you can find in the archive section. Also, if you would like to access articles and more of these podcasts, you can do so by visiting www.heartaflame.org, or you can search for this podcast in Apple iTunes by searching for Today in Church History. Just remember that history is spelled H-I-S hyphen S-T-O-R-Y. Until next time, I'm Andrew Smith.